Hello, and welcome to the Preview Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be spotlighting items from the current month's previews catalog. This is Preview Spotlight number 175 for the June 2022 solicitations. In this episode, we'll be going over some of the items in the upcoming solicitations that you might find interesting. Now, comics are a pre-order business, so whether we like it or not, it behooves us to take a look at what's going to be offered a couple of months out and let our retailers know so they can order appropriately. Now, these episodes have an open submission policy, and I encourage you to send in clips to promote the comics you love as often as you can. Now, there are thousands of items solicited every month, and it's easy for things to get lost in the shuffle or just fly beneath your radar. We'll be starting with the DC Connect catalog, followed by the Marvel's Previews catalog, and then working our way through the Diamond Previews catalog. Obviously, we aren't going to go item by item, or page by page, or even publisher by publisher. We're just going to hit the highlights, and those highlights are picked by people like you. So with that, let's get going. My first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. I find these incredibly helpful to find out what's coming out a few months from now and kind of plan my order appropriately. Sometimes there's stuff that sounds good on paper, but I look at the art or something about the solicitation doesn't work for me, or there's something that I wouldn't have noticed unless, you know, the art had caught my eye or the solicitation looks pretty cool or something like that. Matter of fact, there have been a couple of times where I'll see something and realize I missed the first two issues or something like that and and go order them. So just flipping through these catalogs is kind of my monthly equivalent of the old Sears Toys catalog when I was a kid of, you know, finding out what cool things were out there to be had and then making sure I got them as, as best I could. So whether you get the printed catalogs or not, this information is available online at the various websites for the distributors and the publishers and such. Comics are a pre-order business. It makes sense to know what's coming out so you can let your retailer know so they can have it so you can get it. So once again, my first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. Hi, this is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect special catalog. This time from page four, it's Batman Dear Detective number one. Now, I wanted to highlight this one because um, it took me a couple of times really reading through this to actually figure out what was going on here. This is a uh, one-shot comic. It's uh, eight and a half inches by ten and seven eight. So basically, oh, here we go. It does say Prestige Plus. Um, 56 pages. And what you are getting here says written by with art and cover by Lee Bermejo. But what you're actually getting is all of these Detective Comics covers that he has done. Um, I think he's been doing the B cover on most of those issues, probably going back like 50 or more. Well, he's taken them and made them into panels. I'm sure there's probably a lot of splash pages, but um, kind of pasted them together in such a way to tell a story that he's also written the story to. So I don't really expect this to be anything fancy story-wise or even necessarily very good. But if you're like me, and you've seen these covers and thought, well, that's really interesting, but I'm not paying $5.99 just to get a Lee Bermejo cover every month. 
uh, check out what this solicitation says. Seven ninety nine, fifty six pages, Prestige Plus. What happens when a comics art powerhouse meets one of the greatest, most exciting heroes of all time? One part prestige art book, one part compelling noir tale. This one of a kind edition collects some of Lee Bermejo's most jaw dropping Batman covers woven together to tell a story that strikes right at the heart of the Dark Knight's never-ending crusade. And of course, there's preview pages here, but all the preview pages are literally just copies of old uh, Detective Comics covers here from Bermejo. So check it out if, uh, like I said, if you were interested in these covers along the way and want maybe some sort of way of packaging them together um, and dropping in a collection. Hey, this is James, and I'm here recording for the preview spotlight. I'm recording this stuff, believe it or not, May 29th. Not that that matters to you guys, but I'm using the digital catalogs, <laughs> so I'm not able to flip through my books. Um, I haven't received that stuff yet, and I'm taking off on a vacation, uh, so flying out of town. So I have to get these in early. And the first thing I saw in DC Connect that I stopped at was on page 10, and it's Deceased, War of the Undead Gods, number one. Written by Tom Taylor. He's written the entire DC series. There's been um, several little miniseries. Art by Trevor Harrison and Andy Lanning. So that's interesting. Andy Lanning's helping out. But it's basically what's happened with Deceased. Uh, and this is an eight-issue miniseries, just so you know. And I'm assuming once Deceased is all done, they'll collect it all in a big omnibus. They, they did that with um, one of his other miniseries of DC. Um but we, it says, what began as a battle for Earth has become a war for the galaxy as the epic final chapters. So this is the final one in the massive DC's franchises here. So it looks like from the cover, I don't want to read too much on this, but it's going to the new gods or and it looks like one of the new gods is infected with the virus and is taking on some of our heroes. I, I think it's going to be really cool. And even though it's called War of the Undead Gods, it's the new gods that are going to be infected and going to be fighting against, it looks like, the Justice League characters, the ones that are still with us at this point, because some of them have been taken out. Um, like I said, Tom Taylor does a good job with his Elseworlds stories. This one's been really decent, and it, there's been a little bit of a delay um, between the DC series. He, he basically went and he did a, series, a little series at Marvel, and then he came back to basically doing only stuff at DC, so... He kind of stepped away from the title for a little bit, so I'm happy to see it back and wrapping up, and I will pick up the omnibus when it comes out, because it was a good series. On to my next pick. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect catalog, this time page 15. Uh, this is definitely written for uh, readers and collectors of a, a certain age, I think. I happen to be kind of on the tail end of this one, I believe. It is DC... Saved by the Bell Reeve, number one. So, I always appreciate these quarterly special type comics that uh, um, DC puts together, and this one is funny. The little tagline at the top is, Back to School in Prison Pinstripes. It's listed as a prestige format, so 80 pages, $9.99 square bound, uh, but standard comic size other than that. Written by Art Baltazar, Franco, Andrew, Aiden, Dan Waters, Becky Clunan, Brendan Fletcher, Tim Seeley, Brandon Thomas, Peter J. Tomasi, and Dave Wilgos. Art by Art Baltazar, Nelson Daniel, Juan Ferreira, Carl Kerschel, Mike Norton, Scott Collins, and Craig Cermak. Cover by Junie Ba. School's back in session, and we just know you're waiting for the bell 
to give you some relief. Oh, gosh, that's terrible. All right, you can't say we didn't try. DC Saved by the Bell Reeves Halls are packed with eight tales of school-time fun from around the DC universe. The Suicide Squad is sent to an international prep school to protect a dignitary son. Jean-Paul Valley returns to the school that made him into Azrael. Plus, a return to Tiny Titans by Art Baltazar and Franco. And a new school year starts at Gotham Academy. So grab your pencils and notebooks and get educated. Again, these quarterly books are always fun. It's kind of a, a combination sometimes between like a new um, talent showcase and just like a mashup, you know, with all the, the good talent working at the company at the time. And you can tell by the list of talent this time around. I'd say it leans mostly towards people who've been pretty friendly with DC and work on a lot of these types of projects over time. So I'm expecting some pretty decent quality little short stories that uh, should be some fun. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect special catalog here from page 17. Your chance to own one of the uh, true gems of comic collecting. This is Detective Comics number 27, Maximily Edition, from 2022. Own a copy of Batman's first appearance in the pages of Detective Comics with this facsimile version of Detective Comics 27, starring the Dark Knight detective in The Case of the Chemical Syndicate. This edition also includes recreations of the original vintage ads, plus the complete backup stories featuring Speed Saunders, Buck Marshall, the Crimson Avenger, Crimson Avenger, Slam Bradley, and more. Uh, of course, written by, note the distinction here, written by Bill Finger, Gardner Fox, Jerry Siegel, and others, with art by Bob Kane, Joe Schuster, Wayne Boring, and others, and of course, the cover by Bob Kane that we all know and love. $6.99 for 64 pages. Again, you had to remember the comics back then, the Golden Age, were often thicker than what we have now, so I'm not even going to complain about the price. And considering even a beat-up copy for the original would probably cost you several thousand dollars, I'm okay taking a uh, a newly printed, and uh, I think probably what's going to be a good quality issue. DC and Marvel have done really well by these facsimile editions with um, you know making sure the art looks relatively good the way they've uh, scanned in and, and reprinted things. So check it out. Uh, due on stands as currently advertised, August 23rd. Dr. Mo here with the DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's the new champion of Shazam number one. So DC is finally publishing some additional Shazam content. Now, to be fair, we did get a mini series starring Billy that tied into Titans Academy, but I'm pleased that this Shazam family related mini is going to be focused on Mary, who I feel has been shortchanged since the new 52 Shazam status quo was established. Now we have been getting Mary from another Earth featured in Justice League Incarnate, that miniseries, and as part of that team. But on the main DC 
you earth, Mary, and the rest of the other members of their family, I think, have really not been properly developed and nurtured since the Jeff Johns uh, written series ended. Now, the new champion of Shazam is written by Josie Campbell. Not familiar with this writer. They wrote Future State Green Lantern series. The artwork is provided by Evan Doc Shaner. I think DC is sending a message that this is an important book because Doc Shaner drew one of my favorite and I think one of the best looking Shazam related titles in years, several years ago actually at this point, when he drew the two-part Convergence Shazam title. I really, really enjoyed that book. And so I'm so glad that he's finally able to circle back and add more to the Shazam mythos. I think that if you are a fan of the Shazam and if you're an older family and you still refer to them as, as the Marvels, that's perfectly fine. You should give this book a try because it's really, you know, we're not getting a whole lot of new Shazam related content in recent years. The new champion of Shazam, number one, can be found on page 23 of DC Connect and costs $3.99. My next pick is also on page 23 of the DC Connect and is New Champion of Shazam number 1. Moe's already talked about this. There's not much left for me to say other than I am looking forward to getting Mary Marvel back and hoping this is a really good miniseries. They've left the Marvel family idle for too long in my opinion. So once again, that's New Champion of Shazam number 1 on page 23 of the DC Connect catalog. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the DC Connect, and this time um, I'm page 25, and it's a collected edition that's coming out, and it is DC Dark Knights of Steel Volume 1, written by Tom Taylor. Uh, I mentioned his name before in a previous clip I recorded. (laughs) I'm a big Tom Taylor fan. Uh, Art by Yasmin Putri and Bengal. Uh, The Dark Knights of Steel is a, I guess you could say Otherworlds, an alternative world world. have you, you know, what have you, uh, that Tom Taylor created. He created a little pocket universe where basically there's the house of L in almost like a um, medieval swords and sorcery type realm. And I think of it as Excalibur times, you know, suits of armor and stuff like that, and drama and stuff that goes on. You get the whole cast of DC's characters. John and I have talked about it. We've really enjoyed the story, but uh, we kind of quipped a little bit on the last monthly spotlight about how there's probably shortcuts taken because he doesn't have to introduce the characters because uh, we already know the background. We already know who they are. So a lot of shortcuts taken. Eh, it's a cheat, but whatever. I still enjoyed the heck out of it. So if you did not read it, this is going to be uh, the the first six issues, it looks like. Uh, one through six. It is twenty four ninety nine. Uh, you'll probably get 50% off at Deep Discount Comics for the hardcover. But if you haven't read it, this is a great way to pick it up, and I would definitely pick it up because it is a good story. On to my next pick. 
Hi, I'm Billy Hogan, host of the Superman Fan Podcast, and I go by Superman Fan on the forums. My first pick in this month's DC Comics magazine is on page 32 with Action Comics number 1046, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, with art by Dale Eaglesham, and backup story artist by David Laffham. The main cover is by Lucio Perillo, which is the one I'll be getting. The variant cover is by Lee Bermejo, and the swimsuit variant cover is by Stanley Artgerm Lau. The cover price for the regular edition is $4.99 for 40 pages, and the cardstock variant covers are $5.99. This issue is scheduled to be on sale August 23rd. The climactic battle for the fate of War World is fast approaching, and the Authority is finally reunited, but no longer as allies. As Superman fights to retrieve a mythical ancient weapon that can free the people of War World, Natasha Irons, Midnighter, and Omak fight for the souls of their own teammates. Meanwhile, in the Fortress of Solitude, it's all hands on deck as the entire Super Family joins forces to recover the Genesis Fragment from one of Superman's earliest classic enemies. I've been enjoying this storyline, even though it's dark and sometimes brutal. But there has always been a sense of hope, which is important in a Superman story. If only it didn't seem that it's all leading to not only the death of Superman and the death of the Justice League and the upcoming storyline in that title, but it seems to be leading to another crisis event where DC is going to reboot their continuity once again. But the most important thing is that I'm enjoying the current storyline. So I would recommend Action Comics number 1046. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is on page 33 with Batman Superman, World's Finest number 6. Since Nick's picks chose this issue before I did and posted it on the forums, I'll let him read the full solicit so that you won't have to bear listening to it being read twice. I was hooked just at the title World's Finest because I go back to the mid-1960s with the classic World's Finest series where Batman and Superman teamed up along with Robin the Boy Wonder. And Mark Wade was writing this series, so that was a bonus. I've read the first two issues and enjoyed both just as much as I expected, and I received the third issue today as I'm recording this on the first Saturday of the month in my latest shipment from Discount Comic Book Service. And this issue looks to be very interesting with Robin the Boy Wonder, Lost in Time, and the Home Alone reference also makes it interesting. So it looks like it's going to be another fun issue of Batman Superman World's Finest. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect catalog, this time page 33. It's Batman Superman World's Finest number 6. I believe uh, Billy might also be highlighting this one, so I'll try to keep this brief. It says, The Flying Grayson Flies Through Time. The Dark Knight and the Man of Steel might have been victorious in their battle against the dreaded devil Neza, but were they, though? More on that to come, kids. But there's one thing they've forgotten all the madness. Dick! 
Robin the Boy Wonder is lost in time like some kind of chrono, home alone, and to find him, Batman and Superman will need to get creative. Uh, written, as always, for the series by Mark Wade, art is by Travis Moore, and a cover by Dan Mora, on sale for $3.99, 32 pages. I've generally been liking what uh, has gone on so far in this series, and I like the fact here that we've got sort of a, uh, um, you know, Home Alone story told across time. That's not something you often get told in the pages of comics and at the hands of Mark Wade. I, I trust that it will be just fine and hopefully a lot of fun along the way, too. Billy Hogan again. My third pick in this month's DC Comics magazine is on page 36 with Fables number 154, the fourth issue of a 12-issue miniseries, written by Bill Willingham, with art by Mark Buckingham and Steve Leloha. The main cover is by Kistina Kalita, which is the cover I'll be getting, and the variant cover is by Mark Buckingham. The regular edition is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant cover is $4.99. And this issue is scheduled to be on sale August 16th. There's trouble brewing in the Black Forest, and Squire Polly has sent out a rallying cry to all woodland creatures. This is their world, their land, and they're not going to fall prey to any sort of invasion. But is Polly even capable of inspiring everyone to action? Meanwhile, Green Jack has partnered up with Mrs. Bear for an adventure of her own. I received the first issue of this miniseries in my latest shipment from Discount Comic Books service today, and I'm glad to see the return of this series. For those who may not have read Fables before, it's a series where Bill Willingham and the rest of his creative team have taken the classic storybook fairy tales like Snow White, Cinderella, and all the rest, and through a series of events brought them to our modern world. But the rest of the world doesn't know that these characters live among them. Not all of the characters and fables are human like Snow White, Cinderella, and the rest. Some of them are animals like the three little pigs. And this looks like a story involving some of the animal fable characters. So if you prefer something different from the run-of-the-mill superhero comic book title, I would recommend you pick up Fables number 154 and the rest of this miniseries, as well as the collected editions of the original Fables series. My next pick is also on page 36, and it is also Fables number 154. I'm really enjoying having this classic series back by the original creative team, and looking forward to them completing this 12-issue arc. Hopefully it does well enough that maybe we get more after that, because I'm really enjoying this. Anyways, Fables 154 on page 36 of the DC Connect catalog. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is on the very next page, number 37, with Justice League vs. The Legion of Superheroes number 6, the final issue of this miniseries, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art and cover by Scott Godlowski, which is the cover I'll be getting. The variant cardstock cover is by Travis Moore. The cover price of the regular edition is $3.99 for 32 pages, 
and the cardstock variant cover is $4.99, and this issue is scheduled to be on sale August 9th. The blockbuster shocking conclusion to the Gold Lantern Saga. Which legendary DC villain is behind this great darkness that is about to destroy all the ages of heroes all at once? Find out right here. All this and the future of the Legion of Superheroes is revealed. I received the third issue of this miniseries in my latest shipment from Discount Comic Book Service. And I hope that enough people buy this series so that the Legion of Superheroes can appear in hopefully a more regular title. Billy Hogan again. My final pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is on page 39 with Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 14, written by Tom Taylor and with art by C.N. Torme. The main cover is by Travis Moore, which is the one I'll be getting, and the variant cover is by Rafael Sarmento. A 1 in 25 variant cover is by Travis Mercer and Danny Mickey. The cover price of the regular edition is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant cover is $4.99. And this issue is also scheduled to be on sale August 9th. Henry Bendix has threatened and manipulated and killed without consequence. Now, after a shocking coordinated attack on Earth's heroes, it's time for Superman, Jay, and revolutionaries to strike back. But first, Jay Nakamura must embrace his powers and become the hero John knows he can be. I've enjoyed this series as Jonathan Kent picks up his father's mantle as the Man of Steel and shapes it to fit his own personality and abilities. It's also interesting to watch John begin a relationship with his own version of the Justice League, beginning with Jay. And it's interesting to see him develop as a character and a superhero. So it's been fun reading this series to see the legacy of the Man of Steel develop beyond Clark Kent. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect catalog, this time from page 40. Uh, as promised, I'm going to call out each of the issues in this particular miniseries. It's the Jurassic League number four. Again, just quite ridiculous. The trinity of Batsaur, Wonder Dawn, and Supersaur welcomes a, new, a few new monstrous members in the form of Aquinix, Flash Raptor, and Green Torch. I wonder how come he didn't get a name, like a dinosaur name. But can even a fully staffed Jurassic League stand a chance against Darkseid and his army of corrupted carnivores? I'm going to guess yes. It is written by Daniel Warren Johnson and Juan Gideon, with art by Juan Gideon. $3.99 for 32 pages, and of course this is issue number four of six. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect catalog. This time I'm coming from page 45. It's the Phantom Stranger Omnibus. Now, no lie, this probably was solicited a year ago, maybe? And maybe it was also solicited before then, and that was kind of like a second time they were putting it out there. I don't know for sure. But you all, if you at all have any interest in the Phantom Stranger or this Omnibus, must pre-order this so that they find out that there really is a an army of people who want this printed. Um, 
of course, there's not not really a lot here except for just, hey, this collects a bunch of Phantom Stranger from back in the day. Um, but it does say in the blurb, this is $150, 1,200 pages. So one of the giant, gigantic bricks of an omnibus that uh, DC will put out sometimes, just cramming it all in there. Um, and it does say this is on sale uh, November 1st of this year. So hopefully we've got it by Christmas time. It says, first introduced in 1952, the St- Phantom Stranger stands as one of DC's most en- enigmatic characters, a supernatural hero shrouded in mystery. This omnibus collects stories from the Phantom Stranger, 1952 series, numbers 1 through 6, the Phantom Stranger, 1969 series, 1 through 41, Batman and the Outsiders, number 8, the Brave and the Bold, number 89, 98, and 145, DC Comics presents numbers 25, 72, DC Superstars, number 18, House of Secrets, number 150, Justice League of America, number 103, The Saga of the Swamp Thing, numbers 1 through 13, Secret Origins, number 10, Showcase, number 80, and Who's Who, The Definitive Directory of the DC Universe, number 18. Again, with all of that in there, it's no wonder that they've been able to pack this in with 1,200 pages. $150, it's quite steep, but I hope you do a little ding around and find a a nice discount that you can order this at in advance. I'm sure there are plenty of retailers who are clamoring for your business if you do. Um, I think you'll enjoy this. The Phantom Stranger is kind of a fun character. Um, definitely of a time from the DC Universe. Um, as I mentioned, you know, first published back in 1950s and then in the 60s. So check this out. It'll be fun. It's a nice piece to put next to your um, Spectre Omnibus and Dead Man, Omnibus, and all those kind of characters from that time. Hey, this is James back in the DC Connect, and I did want to call out an omnibus in the back. There's several being printed in here. You know, they're coming out with the American Vampire Omnibus, a reprint of the first volume, and the second volume's coming out. Uh, I'll probably be picking this up because I don't think I picked them up, the first volume up uh, when it was, was originally solicited. And then they have some other omnibus in here. I think it, one of them was Phantom Stranger, which was kind of funny because we had all, people have been talking on the Slack channel about how we all pre-ordered it and it was canceled. <laughs> it's back again. Will it actually show up this time? I don't know. The one that I'm going to call out is on page 46, and it is the Flash by Mark Wade omnibus. I had never read Mark Wade's Flash. Mark Wade is a terrific writer, so and I do like the character of the Flash, so I definitely want to read his run and see how he did with it. It's $150 for 1,088 pages. I will get 50% off at Deep Discount Comics, so 75 bucks for 1,000 pages. Cheaper than comics at that point. And it comes in a nice hardcover. But it says, you know, basically experience Wally West inheriting the mantle of the fastest man alive. We're going through that right now. I mean, Wally West inherited it multiple times. But anyways, so he's inheriting it again at this point. And it, this is collecting... The Flash number 62 through 91, so it looks like he took over midstream in a Flash run. The Flash annuals 4, 5, and 6. Green Lantern 30 through 31 must have been a crossover and issue 40. The Flash special number 1 and Justice League quarterly number 10. So, like I said, I'm a big fan of Mark Wade as a writer. I think he does a terrific job, and when he's writing well, uh, he, he does a very good job. And it's good to see Mark Wade back at DC. He's doing the Brave and the Bold right now. I know him and Dan DiDio did not get along. There was some kind of rub there. I, you know, I never got into it. But now with Dan moving on, 
to whatever he's doing now, DC moving him on, I should say. Uh, it's nice that Mark's back and, and dabbling again at DC. So I'm definitely going to pick this one up and on to my next pick. What's up, guys? This is X-Men Patrick, and we are looking at Marvel previews. You can call me a Marvel zombie. I am going to call out a few Marvel books. So we're looking at page number two, Axe Judgment Day number three of six. I am going to collect all of these. I missed last month's uh, previews because I don't know why. I couldn't tell you. So I missed it, and I'm going to get back into it, but I am picking up Axe Judgment Day 3, well, the whole set, 1 through 6. So I'll read this real quick for you. Kieran Gillen is the writer. Valero Shitty is the artist and cover, multiple covers. Uh, with this one, I'm probably going to get the Wolverine, Iron Man, and I don't know who the Eternal is. I'm also getting number 4 with that one. I probably want the X-Men one right there, and not the Celestial looks actually pretty cool too, but... So, Judgment Day begins. The heroes know what they have to do, but do they have to do it? They were smart enough to get themselves into this mess. Maybe they could be smart enough to get out of it. 32 pages, $4.99. Ouch. 32 pages. That's the size of a normal book. $4.99. Kind of hurts, but I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to get the main series. All the offshoots I'm going to read either on the uh, app or hear about it when you guys talk about it on Slack. So, I'm hoping this sticks, like Avengers vs. X-Men. It seems like it's stuck, like Hope Summers is back. It was a pretty cool read, Avengers vs. X-Men. I can't wait to have that one back, or I mean to read that one again. But the uh, Judgment Day, I'm hoping, is just as good. All right, on to the next pick. What's up, guys? X-Men Patrick here, and I'm still in the Marvel section. I'm only on a couple pages, page 9. We're looking at The Amazing Spider-Man number 10. Yes, it's tied into the Judgment Day, so I'll be reading this one just because it's tied in. Just hope it doesn't veer off too much of the story. I haven't actually read this series yet because I caught up on my Star Wars books and I caught up on my Maestro books. So uh, I'll be reading this one soon. Uh, so Amazing Spider-Man number 10, Zeb Wells is the writer. John Romita Jr., Arth uh, author, artist, sorry, and cover artist. John Romita Jr.'s art is horrible, if you ask me. I, I can't stand even this cover. I will purposely get the other cover just because th this is... Listen, I can't draw. I try to draw. I, I can draw stick figures. All right? So, yes, he has more artistic ability than I do. But uh, it's just... Look at Gwen Stacy's face. It looks horrible. It looks like a robot. I, I don't know. And, and Spider-Man's hands, there's no way his gloves look like that. Anyway, I'd stop picking on his art. Axe Judgment Talion. It's time for Spider-Man to be judged, and I think we all know which moment Spidey's history is going to weigh heavily on his proceedings. You don't want to miss a very special issue that might just break your heart all over again. Looks pretty cool. Like I said, it's i really not the biggest fan of his art, but I'm hoping the stories are great. I will let you know on the Slack channel. Alright, on to the next one. Billy Hogan again. My first pick in the Marvel previews is on page 10 with Fantastic Four, number 47. The writer is David Pipos. Joanne Cabal is the artist. And the main cover is by Kefu, which is the one I'll be getting. A variant cover is by Russell Dodderman. And a wraparound Beyond Amazing Spider-Man variant cover is drawn by John Tyler Christopher. Axe, Judgment Day tie-in. The taking of Baxter 1234 begins now. With judgment looming over the Marvel Universe, Reed Richards has locked himself in his think tank in search of answers. 
But with the fate of humanity on the line, what happens when Obliat Midas sets her sights on the Baxter building? As the Fantastic Four falls before the Exterminatrix's death traps, only one hero remains standing. But if you thought Obliat was dangerous, it's nothing compared to what the Invisible Woman is capable of. Get ready for Die Hard in the Baxter building, as we've only got one thing left to say. Yippee-yay-ka-yay, Marvel Universe. This issue is 32 pages and rated T for teen. The cover price is $3.99 and is scheduled to be in shops on September 21st, which might explain why it was in the Marvel Preview print magazine, but not available on the Marvel solicits on the Preview's website. I go back to the mid-1960s with the Fantastic Four. In fact, they're my favorite Marvel title with Spider-Man a close second. And the idea of Invisible Woman going Bruce Willis on the villain in this issue makes me want to read it even more. My next pick is also on page 10 of the Marvel previews. It is also Fantastic Four number 47. Billy already talked about it. Not much more left for me to say other than I really do enjoy these issues when they go and show just how powerful the Invisible Woman is and how she really might be the most powerful member of the Fantastic Four. Anyways, the concept of Die Hard in the Baxter Building sounds like fun, so I'm looking forward to this. Once again, Fantastic Four number 47 on page 10 of the Marvel Previews. Yeah, X-Men Patrick here, and I'm on page 32, sorry, 12 and 13. Um, I am looking at Fortnite Marvel Zero War. Uh, The reason why I'm calling this out again, because they have big old bold stickers on here. It says, each first print issue unlocks a digital cosmetic cosmetic in Fortnite. This is the first print, it says, unlocks a digital cosmetic. So, second prints won't have the code, supposedly, in these books. I would hate for you guys to buy the second print and not get the code. Um, The Ron Lim covers are all the one covers that I'm thinking I'm going to get. They're pretty cool. So, Fortnite X Marvel Zero War number 305. I'll just read it. Christos Gage is the writer with Donald Mustard. Sergio Davila, artist, cover by many people. All right. The return of unlikely allies brings Iron Man and the Foundation closer to their goal. Meanwhile, it's an all-out brawl against the Sturgon and his dinosaur hybrids in the Savage Land. As the hunt for the Zero Shard heats up. But Sturgeon is not the only villain interested in Zero Shard. Each first print contains a redeemable code for cosmetic for Fortnite. See issue for details. Obviously, I can't see the issue for details. But I'll let you know now. I'm pretty sure I called out number one. I missed number two, I think, last month. But just, you know, keep an eye out for it. Alright, on to the next picks. What's up, guys? X-Men Patrick here, and I'm still in Marvel. I'm on page 17, looking at Edge of Spider-Verse. I did read the uh, Into the Spider-Verse stuff. I can't remember if it was on the app or if I read it hardcover. I don't know if I have it at home right now. But I did read it to find out what the spiderweb stuff was and the spider-eaters or whatever they were. It was pretty cool. So this might be a continue on to that. It might be the ending of it. I have no idea. But just like Batman, Spider-Man has to have a T-Rex, too. So Edge of the Spider-Verse, number one of five. Dan Slott, Alex Segura, Carla Pacheco are the writers, Mark Bagley and more artists, 5,000 covers. The end of the Spider-Verse is coming. 
Edge, number one, most outer limit of an object. Number two, the sharp side of a blade. The leading edge of the Spider-Verse brought to you by Spider-Gwen and Penny Parker. The final edge will be introduced to you, will introduce you to some of the most important characters in the future of the Spider-Verse, but it'll also slice the final strand of the web. In this issue, Spider-Man Noir, Ariana's new status quo, Spider-Rex, and more. Definitely going to try to get cover A. It thinks that the Humberto Ramos is um, a design variant, because that usually means a 1 in 25 or something like that, a 1 in 15. I'm not spending that much money for it. Uh, if you flip the page, as you can probably hear me on the speaker, sorry. Number two and three are in here also, and number three has my girl, Felicia Hardy, Black Cat. She's probably the new Night Spider, which definitely going to get that cover. Can't wait to see what the other covers are going to look like. I'll check it out on FOC. All right, if you're going to read this, check it out with me. Let me know on the Slack. All right, on to the next pick. Billy Hogan again. My final pick in the Marvel Previews magazine is on page 21 with Damage Control, number one of a five-issue miniseries. The writers are Adam F. Goldberg and Hans Rodinoff. The artist is J.P. Fosgit, and the cover artist is Carlos Pacheco. From the creator of TV's Goldbergs, Marvel's unsung heroes finally get sung. After the mega-powered battles and Hulk-level catastrophes, Damage Control is always there to clean up the mess and get things back to normal. But Damage Control is much more than just a glorified cleanup crew, and this new series will pull back the curtain and reveal the secret inner workings that were previously only available to people with clearance level 8. And we'll witness it all through the eyes of Gus, a fresh-faced, eager newcomer to the company, who has no idea how chaotic his life is about to become. Adam F. Goldberg, TV's The Goldbergs, and Hans Rodinoff team up with Will Robson to take you into the secret labyrinth of damage control, where it's totally common to run into familiar faces like Moon Knight, Nightcrawler, She-Hulk, and more. Plus, a second story by Damage Control creator Dwayne McDuffie's McSpouse, Charlotte Fullerton, as the Damage Control crew must clean up after the Infinity Gauntlet, rated T for Teen and is scheduled to be in shops on August 24th. I was a big fan of the original two Damage Control miniseries co-created by Dwayne McDuffie many years ago, and when I saw this new miniseries, I couldn't resist. I also look forward to reading the story written by Dwayne McDuffie's widow, Charlotte Fullerton. Come to think of it, I think Damage Control is a little bit like Astro City. It gives us a look at how regular people deal with living in a world full of superheroes. Dr. Mo here with a Marvel pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Miles Morales. Spider-Man number 41. For those of you who have been reading the current volume of Miles Morales' Spider-Man, you'll know that the writer Salim Ahmed likes to play the long game. For example, this current story arc, The Empire of the Spider, you know, brings together a number of things that have been going on in Miles' life and even some things that have been played up going back to the Bendis era of the character. For instance, fans know that Miles Morales 
is not the quote unquote 616 version that Miles Morales was brought over to the 616 once the Ultimate Universe ended during the latter half of Brian Michael Bendis' tenure on the character. Now, Salim Ahmed has played that up throughout his run on this book, introducing a number of threats from the, the multiverse. And in this current arc, The Empire of the Spider, Miles and his clone brother, Shift, who again, Salim Ahmed introduced during a previous story arc, Miles's own version of the clone saga. These two have forged a sort of dynamic duo type relationship, and they've gone on to a journey throughout the multiverse, and they've landed on a planet in which their clone, clone brother, yes, bear with me here, another Miles Morales clone who was introduced in an earlier arc named uh, Salem, which is Miles spelled backwards, has taken over. I think that Ahmed has also introduced a number of new as, uh, aspects of Miles's personal life, the introduction of his sister, Billy Morales, and even, I think, deepen the relationship between Miles and Genki and sort of kind of stretched it a bit. And if you've been reading, you know that this story arc, even though it's in the multiverse, you know, builds upon some of those relationships as well. The artwork for this issue is by Christopher Allen. Allen has been part of a group of artists who has rotated on and off Miles Morales. I think Allen's strengths lie in one, Miles' costume has changed over the last roughly year or so. As part of the 10th anniversary celebration, Miles receives a new costume, looks more like activewear. Christopher Allen does a really good job of of drawing the fabrics and and how it moves. And it really does feel like normal clothing, the quasi active layer you you'll wear in, in the street. And Miles's clone brother shift more or less wears the OG Miles Morales costume. I think Allen also excels at fight sequences and some dramatic action in series. He uses a lot of, of lines. And in many ways, it does remind one of more classic Marvel styles, but with a sort of modern spin. I think that this issue in particular, issue 41, is not necessarily, I think, a probably, and I could be wrong, it's not necessarily a jumping on point for individuals who may be new to the series. I think you would, if you are interested in what's been going on with, with Miles' life, I think probably starting at an early issue at the beginning of this arc makes the most sense. But I just believe that you're just, in terms of the stakes, Ahmed and company just really keep on, you know, leveling things up and just, and just adding more and more hurdles for Miles to, 
to overcome. Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 41, can be found on page 32 of the Marvel's previews catalog and costs $3.99. Hey, this is James back with a pick in the Marvel's previews. And this time I'm on page 41 of the Marvel's preview. And it is Savage Avengers number four. Marvel had some, you know, number ones coming out that I didn't care for. And the Amazing Fantasy number 1000, I'm like, that's a gimmick. It is not at number 1000, but whatever. It's, you know, soon Amazing Spider-Man will be at 1000. That'll be a thing. But this is Savage Avengers number four. It's written by David Pepos, artist Carlos Magno. I will say this. This Savage Avengers is not as good as the last run by Jerry Dugan, which was pretty excellent. But I'm calling this one out because it was okay. The first issue was a getting the band together type issue. So we haven't really seen a ton of action. Some stuff did happen. I'm going to give this an arc and see how it goes. But I'm calling it out because Marvel lost the license for Conan. But apparently they said they're going to keep printing Conan and Savage Avengers. And lo and behold, Savage Avengers number four, where it says, Who is Deathlock? Tasked with pursuing Conan the Barbarian. Uh, Deathlock is basically you know, coming to terms with his past, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's just hilarious that Marvel's just going to keep on printing Conan <laughs> inside of Savage Avengers without the license. But now that it's public domain, I don't know the the intricacies of how this all works. But as long as Conan is being published inside of Marvel Comics, I'm probably going to pick him up. Uh, so yeah, I definitely am getting this and on to my next pick. X-Men Patrick here and I am still in the Marvel section. I'm on page 42 because my girl Felicia Hardy is back as Iron Cat. We have Iron Cat number three of five. I'll be getting all of these. I definitely like cover A because she's in like the Iron Man suit. I don't know how they get the thighs to move like that in the Iron Man suit, but all right. Jeb McKay's a writer. Pierre Perez, artist and cover artist, and there's a variant cover which you can actually see. So, Iron Cat vs. Iron Cat. Tony Stark and Felicia Harding aren't going to let the mysterious wearer of the Iron Cat armor have all the fun. Nope. Tony has done it. Tony has done his own spin on the Iron Cat armor, and Felicia may like some of its innovations. 32 pages, $3.99. I will be collecting all these just like I collect all my black cats, and hopefully. It ends on an awesome note, and I can't wait to get a Black Cat action figure. Alright, on to the next pick. Hey, this is James back with another pick. And this one's going to be interesting. And I don't even know what it is, but I want to like this comic. Okay, it's on page 55 in the Marvel previews. It is Alien Number 1 by Philip Kennedy Johnson. Art by Julius Ota. Okay, I, I read probably the first, like, four to six issues of the first Alien series, and it was a bunch of characters that I didn't know that it was okay. It it just, I didn't get that same feeling when I was reading the Alien comic that when I watched Aliens, and it just didn't sit well with me. So they're relaunching it. I don't know if that's relaunching it because the sales are that horrible, which is what I'm guessing, but I don't know. Like, it's saying a new Alien epic. And I want to see if this one's different characters are set like in the alien movie. It says man, machine, and the most terrifying creature in the universe. It's an express elevator to hell. And you're going to want to be on it. I do want to be on it. It says a small colony of synths have settled in a secret, in a secret, ah, in secret on a backwater moon. 
when a company of United States soldiers come to them for help retrieving biotechnology on a hostile planet that could be the key to saving humanity. The stints must decide whether the prospect of peace between man and machine is worth the risk of betrayal. So it sounds like the synths and the humans no longer get along. Uh, we all remember remember the synth in the movie. I can't remember the guy's name where his guts were all kind of spilled out by the alien creature. And that's kind of what they're showing on the cover here. I'm just like, I got to find out what the heck's going on with this. So I'm probably going to pick it up and check it out. I can't say I'm going to stick with it long term, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully because Philip Kennedy Johnson, he, he, he does do some good stuff. I've been reading his action comics. It's very different than anything Superman I've ever read, but I'm enjoying it. So let's see how this goes and on to my next pick. X-Men Patrick, and I'm sure you guys are done with me calling out Marvel books. And now I'll call out Star Wars books, which we're still in the Marvel previews. We're on page 57. And like I said the last time, I don't remember if I uh, recorded or not. Mandalorian books are going to probably be hot. This one is the first Mudhorn, so I'll be picking up a lot of these covers, hopefully encasing a couple and saving them and reading a few of them because why not? My kid loves it too, so I'll be giving it to my kid also. Uh, They also said, I remember reading something, that these books aren't going to go exactly to the story that they uh, wrote in The Mandalorian. It's going to go offshoot a little bit, which is pretty cool. So I hope it does, and that'll be, you know, more story. So this is adapted or written by Rodney Barnes. George's Gently is the artist and covers by, you know, a bunch of people. Battle with the Beastly Mudhorn. Having tracked down a valuable quarry, the Mandalorian must now contend with thieving bandits. Will the Mandalorian battle it out with the Jawas, or is an alliance in the cards? Obviously, if you read it, you know what's happening. 40 pages, $4.99. I mean, watched it. Um, so yeah, I'll be definitely getting this. I can't wait to see the other covers on FOC, so that way I can make a better decision on what covers I want. And yeah, it's awesome. I like the Mandalorian. I love the Mandalorian story. My son loves the Mandalorian story. He's 10 years old, so... If they can get him into reading, then cool. I'm all about it. All right, on to the next pick. X-Men Patrick here, and this is my last book in the Marvel previews. We are on page 58. We are looking at Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi, number four out of five. Christopher Cantwell is the writer. Matibek Mustafa, I can't say that, guys, the artist. And, of course, we have a bunch of covers. I did see the Choose Your Destiny covers is like the lightsabers from some of the wielders, and that's pretty cool looking. May get to choose the Destiny one. So, a sandstorm overtakes his home. Obi-Wan has more time to reflect in and on the darkness. He looks back in time when he and Anakin Skywalker were pulled off the front lines of the Clone Wars to confront the lost soul from Kenobi's wartime past. Can the two Jedi bring the man back from the heart of darkness to which he has fallen? 32 pages, 399. I did not read my Obi-Wan yet. I only got number one, and I only got one cover, one issue, for whatever reason. I screwed up my own order. So I haven't read it yet. I don't know if I'm going to break that open or uh, hold on to that and just wait till it to get on the Marvel app, because that book is selling like hotcakes right now. All right, that is it for my Star Wars. That is it for my Marvels. Now we're on to the main previews. Hey, this is James back with another pick, and I'm in the back half of the Marvel's catalog in the collected editions. They have a ton of omnibus. Um, uh, most of them are reprints, though. So 
you know, Marvel does listen. There's a guy, um, can't remember his name for the life of me. He has a YouTube channel and he kind of collects lists of the top Marvel requests for reprints of Omnibus or the things that people are wanting, not necessarily reprints new stuff. And he has Marvel's attention because he'll announce stuff and come up with lists and Marvel almost prints the stuff he's requesting almost every time. It's, it, it's absolutely insane. Oh, Uncanny Omar, that's what he goes by on YouTube. But there's like a Captain Marvel omnibus that's not a reprint being printed. Um, there's a Fantastic Four by John Byrne, which I know John may may be interested in picking up. That's a reprint, the volume two of it. Daredevil by Miller and Jansen, that's a reprint. Uh, there's just a whole bunch. There's even the very last Conan uh, volume 10 that's being printed before the this the license goes back to its uh, the licensee. And that'll collect the last of the Conan stuff. But the one that I was going to call out, because I imagine someone else is going to want to do Conan, like maybe Brawlinator, I don't know, is I'm going to call out the House of M omnibus, which is on page, and i got to flip because I'm looking at the digital thing, and it didn't give the page number, 64, it looks like. And it's, okay, House of M, I'm not going to tell you the big thing that happens in it, because if you haven't read it, that, that would kind of spoil the whole thing. But this was a really, really, really cool storyline. It's written through a lot of different comics, you know, the ex-comics. Uh, you have writers, you know, Brian Michael Bendis, Tom Pyre, Mark Wade, John Lehman, Greg Pak, Fabian, Fabian Natsia, uh, Reginald Hudlin, Chris Claremont. It goes on. Even Ed Brubaker and Peter David were writing on this thing. Uh, penciled by Oliver Quapel, Salvador La Roca, Scott Eaton, Pat Lee, Adam Kuber, and more. Anyways. Uh, this was a really cool, cool time with the mutants. The outcome coming out of this changed the the X-Men kind of, I would say, almost forever up until the point of Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> it changed uh, the X trajectory all the way until Hickman came in and kind of did what he did, uh, where he almost elevated the the mutants to gods in our universe. So I think what what he did is really cool. But this was a really fun read. I really enjoyed it. It's 1,368 pages for 125 bucks, uh, which you'll get a nice discount from Deep Discount Comics with Eric. Um, it, but this is collecting House of M number one through eight, and then all of the comics that tied into House of M. Everything from like Black Panther, Uncanny X-Men, Fantastic Four. Uh, this is when the events infected almost every comic that was out at that time and how it impacted them. But I'm definitely going to pick it up because I would love to reread this. I had fun with it the first time. This is one I'm going to be happy to buy and stick up on my shelf. Uh, my When I say my shelf, it's my pile until I get a shelf. Uh, but I do plan to get a shelf one day. <laughs> so if you have not read it or if you're like me and you read it previously and you really enjoyed it, I highly, highly recommend you picking it up. It is a fun read. And like I, did, like I said, it changed the trajectory of the mutants at the time. It, what seemed like would have been forever until Hickman did what he did. So on to my next pick. This is Jason with a pick from the Marvel previews on page 65. It's Captain Marvel Omnibus Volume 1. This is one of my favorite characters from the history of Marvel Comics. I know he's not technically the original Captain Marvel, but of course he was the one that everybody knows as Shazam from DC Comics, formerly of Fawcett Comics. But when his name went into the public domain, Marvel Comics was quick to snap up the name Captain Marvel, and they created a character, Marvel, who definitely didn't read in the earlier days, but around the time Jim Starlin took over, 
I really began to pick this book up and enjoyed it quite a bit, and all the way through the ending of the character series. But anyway, very fun, very fun series. So this starts in 1967, I believe. The first couple of issues where his outfit looks totally different. It's kind of a green outfit with a Saturn-looking planet and basically green and white. It was a little bit later on that he changed to kind of that red and blue outfit with the star emblem on his uniform. But a really great character, and I think that I wish that some of the retro posters and things that they would do would have this character as well, but they've kind of forgotten him by the wayside since his uh, last book in Marvel Graphic Novel 1. But anyway, it looks like this is a Volume 1 omnibus, which means hopefully there'll be a Volume 2, but his original series lasted for 62 issues, so this covers the first couple appearances in Marvel Superheroes, Captain Marvel 1-33, through 33, Iron Man number 55, and Not Brand Eck number 9. It's only $100, so that's uh, pretty decent this day and age in terms of Omnibus Collection, and it's almost 900 pages. So if you like that late silver and early bronze age, especially if you like anything Jim Starlin, I highly recommend this book. One of my favorite characters of all time, Captain Marvel. This is Jason with the pick and the Marvel previews on page 68. It's Conan the Barbarian, the original Marvel Years Omnibus Volume 10. I'll probably be going for the McFarlane cover, but it's hard to believe, guys. We finally made it. This collection is basically wraps up the original Conan the Barbarian run that ran for 275 issues from 1970 to the early 90s. Anyway, it's issues 241 to 2. 275 and material from what the number 12 we are paying that conan tax there at 150 dollars for 944 pages but it's kind of some bittersweet news because it's great that they've finished they will have finished all the conan the barbarian omnibus collections of the comics unfortunately they're only halfway through the savage sort of conan omnibus series probably have another 100 issues or so to go of that but anyway at least we were able to get this done before the conan license lapsed back to the um, uh, IP holder. So I'm really glad to have this entire run in omnibus collection format. It was great that um, Roy Thomas came back to kind of write Conan off from his original comic book series and write him off into the sunset. But just a kind of a shout out to all the um, uh, Conan omnibus collectors on the the Slack channel who've encouraged me to keep going with this. And uh, one day I do plan on reading it all, as I know we do, all of us. So Take care, guys. Enjoy it. Hey, everyone. Chris Brawley again, also known as Brawlinator on the Slack and the forums. And I've got my picks this month. And for my first pick, I'm in the Marvel section near the back of the Marvel previews over on page 68, looking at what is sadly very likely to be the final volume in the Omnibus series for Marvel's Conan, uh, at least as far as their Conan the Barbarian, the original Marvel years. This is Volume 10, uh, which completes the full series, Uh, and I sincerely hope they'll be able to complete their Savage Sword omnibus run, but that now seems very unlikely, uh, as Frederick Momberg, the president of Heroic Signatures, which is the company that controls the Conan license property, said that it was Marvel's decision not to renew the license beyond the end of 2022. So I doubt we will... uh, 
you know, I doubt he's Conan's going to be in Savage Avengers anymore. Uh, but Marvel is strangely remaining very quiet about it. Uh, King Conan uh, with Jason Aaron ends this summer. Uh, there will be no new Conan-related titles for the rest of the year. Uh, it has been a pretty good run with Marvel releasing 10 color Conan the Barbarian omnibuses, but only eight of the black and white, uh, one color of the Conan the King omnibus, a couple of cull omnibuses, one black and white cull omnibus, one color, and black and white Solomon Kane omnibus. Uh, that's an average of about one omnibus every two months between 2019 and 2020. And there were six epic collections, one standalone trade covering most of the material in the first four Conan the Barbarian omnibuses also. They even released an omnibus of the Dark Horse material. But much like their Master of Kung Fu omnibus, these will probably never be reprinted, at least by Marvel. Uh, So if you see them in the wild, I do recommend grabbing them. I'm just really disappointed that they did not conclude this Savage Sword. Being uh, black and white, you'd think that they'd be a pretty quick, easy assembly because uh, Dark Horse had already collected and reprinted those in uh, sort of those essential, uh, really, newsprint paperback trade styles. But I digress. The last of the Barbarian Omnis can be found on page 68 of this month's Marvel Previews. So if you want to complete your set of the run of Conan the Barbarian, the original Marvel years, there's a really sweet Todd McFarlane cover, too. Check it out. This is Jason with my last pick, this time from the Marvel Previews. Page 85, it's Moon Knight Epic Collection, Butcher's Moon, Volume 4, and the Moon Knight Epic Collections. As far as I know, this is the first time that this series has been reprinted, but essentially it picks up after the original series, which ended uh, back in the early 80s. And this one picks up in 1985 with, uh, I guess, Volume 2, Moon Knight 1985, 1 through 6, Marvel Team-Up, 144. Marvel Fanfare 30, and a series that I really enjoyed, uh, even though I don't have all the issues, was Mark Spector, Moon Knight, issues 1 through 7. And it does have some other miscellaneous issues on there, but Moon Knight uh, is definitely one of my favorite characters, and in this one he continues to develop a little more. You get to know a little bit about Stephen Grant, one of his alter egos, talks about Khonshu a little bit. But anyway, this kind of is encouraging that they're going to finally be printing the Moon Knight uh, Mark Spector Moon Knight series, which lasted about 60 issues, essentially from the 1989, I think, to like the early 90s. So definitely was the longest running series of Moon Knight, uh, lasting about five years, I guess. And if you like 90s Moon Knight or 90s comics in general, definitely recommend this as we've got a lot of the kind of ideas that ended up kind of becoming who Moon, who Moon Knight is now and leading up to, obviously, his uh, television series. So. Definitely recommend this, guys, if you're a Moon Knight fan. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog from page 36 of the catalog, or also highlighted on the front cover, and also highlighted, I believe, on page 21 with a little preview of what's to be expected. It is Love Everlasting, number one, a gem of the month. Now, I'm probably a glutton for punishment, and I may be against my better judgment in picking this one up, but um, I honestly am actually interested to read this. It is written by Tom King, with art by Elsa Charitier, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Um, And here's, here's how Image has to describe this. 
Um, and this is going to be a 24 page comic uh, for $3.99. It says From superstar award winning creators Tom King and Elsa Chartier comes a new ongoing series in bold. In the tradition of Sandman and Saga, wow, they're definitely swinging for the fences. Joan Peterson discovers that she is trapped in an endless, terrifying cycle of romance. That's in quotes. A problem to be solved, a man to marry, and every time she falls in love, she's torn from her world and thrust into another teary saga. Her bloody journey to freedom and revelation starts in this breathtaking, groundbreaking first issue, again, in bold. And then there's a little light bulb here, and it says, A romance comic that's anything but a romance comic about a heroine who finds herself in a storybook romance and then in another storybook romance, again and again and again and again, in a world and a work of metafiction reminiscent of Groundhog Day and being John Malkovich. Side note, that is a very strange movie to watch when you're like 10 years old. Um, but anyway, again, the art here looks fantastic. Tom King really can write an interesting story, and uh, I guess the cynical side of me here would say there's no beloved... DC character here to to uh, assassinate or um, you know stir up the ire of of fanboys and diehards. But another actual strong selling point here is I think this is finally getting Tom King back into the arena, probably where he will best perform, which is not with beloved characters telling an interesting story. Probably there's going to be some dark, twisted take on this about how you know the heroines and these love stories were always forlorn and casting themselves about and whatever and i'm sure he's probably got some funny and uh serious commentary to um to tell about this the fact that uh images um describing this as fantasy horror and romance i don't know what really to expect except it definitely will be interesting and it's only three dollars 99 cents which DC seems to have forgotten that that's what you can charge for a Tom King story. So I say, check it out. It will, uh, it will probably be worth your money. I almost forgot to mention, I was going to read here um, more briefly from the uh, page 21 uh, kind of further uh, promo preview material here that Image has drawn up for this uh, title. It says, One woman rele- seeks release from an endless series of romances in Image Comics love everlasting. Joan Peterson's life is full of romance, an endless succession of problems, an endless succession of men to woo her, I don't know if that's supposed to be woo her, and win her heart. But every time she reaches the happily ever after, her life resets. The love she's found, the life she'd lived, gone. Can Joan escape this endless cycle of thwarted love and endless misery? Tom King and Elsa Chartier explore one woman's desperate attempt to understand her existence and live a fulfilling life on her own terms in their new image comic series, Love Everlasting. Trapped as the romantic heroine in a repeating pattern of stories, Joan becomes aware that she is inside a story, and she's determined to take control of her own story and assert her own existence. A metaphysical and metafictional exploration of one woman's existence, Love Everlasting is a romance comic as only King and Chartier could tell. Again, check this one out. I think that gives a little bit more explanation there kind of for what's going on. 
Dr. Mo here with an image pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Old Dog number one. Artist writer Declan Chauvet is debuting a new title this month. No, well, actually, to be fair, Old Dog actually premiered as part of the first issue of Images anthology series aptly named image and actually what i find humorous about this is that in the first issue of image the old dog we're introduced to the character but i feel as though i got a bit more context for what was going on in that in the first issue of that anthology series in the solicitation text that we get for issue one. And that's not to say I did not like what I read in the pages of image number one, because part of that is the reason while I'm interested in picking up the first issue of the series and hopefully subsequent issues as well. So the title character is named Jack Lynch. He is a CIA operative that has been suddenly thrust into a quasi-apocalyptic future, or at least one that's a little more, more rough and tumble than what we have present day. I, I find that the name Jack Lynch is really interesting. If you are an old-school image fan, the notion of a new Jack Lynch appearing on the scene now is kind of hilarious. Jack Lynch or John Lynch was part of Gen 13, uh, the old J. Scott Campbell, Jim Lee, Brandon Choi series that <laughs> was a big image seller uh, back in the in the 90s. So I, I, I chuckled when when I, I read the that the lead character was named Jacqueline. So I'm really wondering if Shalvi is kind of throwing a bone or acknowledging this because that character also had a spy espionage background as well. The, the gen 13 character that is, (laughs) but look, looking at um, what we have with Shalvi's old dog, I think fans of, the spy-fi genre will really like this. I have always loved Shalvey's artwork. I f- really feel like I first encountered the uh, him on Moon Knight with, with Warren Ellis. I'm really trying to think if there was anything prior to Moon Knight. But I think over the subsequent years, Shalvey has really grown as an artist in my opinion, particularly when it comes to these action sequences. If you are a fan of the spy-fi genre series, it may warrant you picking up this title, especially if you are a fan of Declan Chauvet's artwork. Old Dog, number one, can be found on page 40 of the previews catalog, and costs three ninety nine. Hey, this is James, 
Now I'm at the very difficult part where I'm trying to look at the order form and record clips for previews with their digital catalog online, not the PDF of the catalog. It's not very fun. Uh, As I'm recording this, the previews catalogs, in which I know some websites put them up, it it hasn't been updated. They still have the May one. So stuck with the uh, order form and the text website. Okay, so I was looking at the image comics. There's some uh, stuff in there that I'm sure people will enjoy. But the first thing that caught my eye was, it's a weird one. It's on page 50, and it is called Golden Rage, number one. And it's just a premise when I was reading it that made me kind of laugh. Um, it is written by Chrissy Williams. Artist is Lauren Knight. No clue who these people were. I was like, who the heck is Chrissy Williams? So I, I went over and it says, created by writer Chrissy Williams, editor on Die and The Wicked and the Vibe. So she is an editor and she's writing. Interesting. So no writing background. Artist Lauren Knight, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and the colorist Sophie Dod- Dod- uh, Dodgson who did Bitterroot Tank Girl. So anyways, Lauren Knight actually has experience being an artist, but Chrissy Williams sounds like this is her first book. And it's a miniseries. It's only five issues. And there's some previews on here, and the art looked good enough. I'm like, but here, let me tell you what this book's about. It says, in a world where older women who've been deemed useless to society are abandoned on an island, Golden Rage documents their golden years of making friends, baking dessert, and fighting to the death. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> it says, this is a first issue of a brand new five-issue miniseries where Battle Royale meets the Golden Girls. I have no clue what's going on here, why they're doing this. <laughs> but uh, I want to see a bunch of old spent women on an island killing each other. Sounds awesome. Um, don't know why they're doing this. Don't know how they're doing this. But it just, the premise sounds kind of funny. I'm like, I'm probably going to pick this up just for, for laughs you know, chuckle a little bit. We shall see. But this was the first thing that caught my eye and in, in, uh, image in the previous section, or the image section previews. So on to my next pick. And my next pick is on page 61 of the previews catalog, and I'm surprised nobody else mentioned it. It's Astro City Metro Book Volume 2 Trade Paperback. Now this is collecting Astro City Volume 2, number 13 through 22, Astro City Local Heroes 1 through 5, Astro City Special Number 1, Astro City A Visitor's Guide, and the Astro City story from the 9 11, uh, the world's finest comic book writers and artists tell stories to remember number 2. Man, that's a long title. Anyways, Astro City, I'm a big fan of this. I'm glad they're finally getting all of this back in print. This is one of those titles that I do want to be doing a series either of back issue spotlights on, or kind of like I'm doing the Legion spotlight, maybe something like that on Astro City. Still got to figure out the right way to cover this brilliant series by Kurt Busiek, Brent Anderson, uh, and the rest of the crew there. They're just doing some terrific work. Anyways, like I said, that's Astro City Metro Book Volume 2 Trade Paperback on page 61 of the Diamond Previews. What's up, guys? X-Men Patrick, and I am back in the normal previews book now, and I'm actually picking an image book, which is very rare for me. I usually get like two or three books from image, but I randomly picked up 8 Billion Genies, and I have to tell you, it was pretty cool. So with 8 Billion Genies, number one down, number two hasn't come out yet, and this is number four on page 69, coming out, Charles Souls, the writer, artist is Ryan Brown, and we have a cover B by Christian Ward. August 10th, this is coming out, 32 pages, full color, mature theme, $3.99. Just guess, 
8 billion genies, everyone gets a wish, you get one wish. So uh, the first book was amazing. So let's read this one. Welcome to the first eight weeks. As the world continues to change in the wake of genies appearing to everyone on Earth and offering them a single wish, things are getting intense. Plenty of folks have wished for superpowers. We all know what happens when you get a bunch of superhero people together. They fight. How will our heroes survive the powered age? Like I said, number one was really cool. It threw a wrench into everything I thought would happen. Definitely worth a read. Guys, pick it up. It's pretty cool. It's not gory that I can remember. So, John, this might be a book we guys can maybe do a back-issue spotlight on and maybe talk about what your one wish may be. All right, on to the next pick. Hey, guys, X-Men Patrick are back. And, of course, there's more Star Wars. I am in the D and the Dark Horse, sorry, Dark Horse section, page 118. Star Wars is back with Dark Horse. This is uh, Hyperspace Stories. This is uh, number one of 12. Amanda Debert is the writer. Never heard of her. Lucas Maragon is the artist. And a cover A. And there's a cover B. On sale August 10th. 32 pages. $3.99. It says ongoing even though it says 1 of 12. So uh, when the members of the Republic mission led by the Senator Padme Amidala are abducted by the ruthless Separatist General Grievous, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi jump to the rescue. But the operation quickly goes awry and the Jedi find themselves cut off and surrounded by an army of battle droids. Danger and deception at the height of the Clone Wars in Star Wars Hyperspace number one. So this series will feature fan-favorite heroes, vile villains, and unexpected twists and turns. Brought to you by the all-star authors of Cecil Kastrugi, I don't know who that is, Amanda Debert, I don't know where she is, and Michael Morselli. Don't know who he is, but um, I'm in for the ride. At least for the first couple, if it's good. If not, you know, I'll just drop it. And, uh, of course, there's another uh, Star Wars pit book on the next one, Tales from the Rancor Pit. Yeah, I'll be picking that one up, too. That one doesn't say... Oh, that's because it is a hardcover for 20 bucks. That's why it doesn't say one of something. All right, on to the next pick. Dr. Mo here with a Dark Horse pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Minor Threats, number one. Comedian, writer, nerd celebrity, Patton Oswald, along with his partner, Jordan Blum, are bringing you the tales of woe, of supervillains who are unable to pull off simple heists and other petty crimes because one of their colleagues committed the ultimate sin. Killing the sidekick of one of their city's greatest champions. You know, when I first heard about minor threats, my mind immediately jumped to the Flash's rogues and their code of con- conduct or rather their their code to really just more or less just commit these petty crimes and try to avoid killing if at all possible but I also thought about Nick Spencer's superior foes of Spider-Man series I have always enjoyed Dark Horse's take on these quirky super heroes, supervillain tales, 
you know, your things like your Umbrella Academy, your Black Hammer, and the like. And I think that what Dark Horse titles in this realm excel at is being able to take apart and play around with these typical superhero tropes with and they can break their toys you know and and not have to worry about if a billion dollar movie and television franchise you know not that tv or bill billion dollar things but you get the gist um ride on what goes on in the pages of these comics we can really delve into the character and i'm hoping that oswald and blum are able to do that with minor threat now aiding them in this effort is artist scott hepburn providing the pencils and possibly the inks as well i'm i'm assuming hepburn has worked on deadpool for marvel he's worked on drax and some other assorted titles as well over the years and i think his art style really does lend to this sort of superhero noir take and in my opinion keeps with the dark horse house style that i think that they kind of gravitate towards with these types of titles if you are you know a fan of of pat and oswald i know uh oswald and blum worked on the modok animated series that was released on hulu oswald has written a number of other either one shots i believe a mini or two don't quote me on that and some other things over over the years and i i I think that this is a good vehicle to really play in these kind of superhero sensibilities i'm hoping that this four issue mini series is popular enough that maybe it could spawn another universe or series of miniseries again like the aforementioned black hammer and the umbrella academy minor threats number one can be found on page 121 of the previews catalog and costs 4.99 billy hogan again My only pick in the Dark Horse Comics section is on page 133 with Confabulation, an anecdotal autobiography. The writer, cover, and interior artist is Dave Gibbons. A comprehensive, in-depth, and personal journey through the eyes of one of the world's most famous comics creators. Presented as alphabetically chaptered memoirs, these extensive anecdotes cover a legendary life in comics. From working on Doctor Who and meeting Tom Baker to being inducted into the Eisner Hall of Fame. Gibbons also discusses, for the first time anywhere, the reasons why he and fellow Watchmen co-creator Alan Moore no longer speak. Packed with over 300 iconic, rarely seen, and unpublished art pieces and photographs. Confabulation, an anecdotal autobiography 
not only entertains but peels back the layers of a fascinating career in comics. Rarely seen in unpublished art and photographs from Dave Gibbons. In shops October 12th for the cover price of $39.99. This is probably one of the more expensive items I've ever ordered out of previews. But since it involves Dave Gibbons, it's worth the price. Plus, with discount comic book service, I'll be getting around a 40% discount. So that'll help the budget also. But I'm such a fan of Dave Gibbons' art style and the contributions he made to the Watchmen miniseries that I couldn't resist picking this up. Plus, I checked with Amazon and the 40% discount that I usually get from Discount Comic Book Service was better than what I could get on Amazon. So this will be the best opportunity for me to get this book and fit it into my budget. So any listeners out there who enjoy Dave Gibbons' artwork ought to pick up Confabulation, an anecdotal autobiography. Hey, this is James back with another pick, and this time I'm in the Dark Horse section. And what I'm going to be calling out for Dark Horse is a manga that they're uh, translating into English and printing. And this one's done in hardcover, and I haven't, I don't believe I've called this one out before. But I'm going to give you a reason why I'm calling out Volume 7. Hardcover Volume 7 of Blade of the Immortal. Um, so these are big, beefy, chunky hardcovers. Um, I would say it's equivalent in size to a marble omnibus of a material. It's black and white, of course. It's not color. And the, uh, the retail price on it is 50 bucks, but you get your discount of roughly 40% off at Deep Discount Comics. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning a Volume 7 is resolicited in this previews, and it, it's there. You can get volumes one, two, three, four, five, six. It doesn't have there, but the reason why is because it's shipping shortly. If you contact Eric over at Deep Discount Comics, he'll get you volume six. I'm sure no problem. Um, but you can get caught up on the whole thing. Now I'm going to read you the solicit from volume one, so you know what the heck's going on, instead of telling you what's going on at volume seven and have you being confused about what in the heck is going on because they're assuming you've read this stuff before. Um, and I've been getting into manga. I've been enjoying it more and more. And right now I've been going on to my deep dive. So I'm, I'm reading a lot of stuff. But um, okay, Blade of the Immortal, once again, hardcover, omnibus size. From the solicit for volume one, it said, a cursed, seemingly immortal warrior aids a young girl in her quest for revenge as students of the brutal new uh, sword school tear a bloody path across Japan. Harukai Samara's massive manga series spawned two anime adaptions, a spin-off novel, and an art book, and a live-action film. Samara's storytelling Tour de Facto Force also won Japan's Medieval Arts Awards, several British Eagle Awards, and an Eisner Award, among other international accolades. This one collects Blade of the Immortal Volumes 1 through 3 in the original, you know, series in a fall leather hardcover treatment. And this... This is like a samurai manga, samurai fighting, stuff like that. And this is supposed to be one of the premier, if not the best, manga around this. They have other manga that are like this. This is supposed to be the best of the best. So I would highly recommend picking this up, checking it out. I flipped through a few of the volumes. It looks good. I just haven't read all seven volumes, but I'm going to get caught up and I'm going to read it. So um, I just wanted to point this one out. And you can get caught up on it because they're all being resolicited right now. And on to my next pick. 
Well, Red Sonia, Deja Thoris, and Vampirella are probably Dynamite Entertainment's three biggest characters. I'm on pages 168 to 173. This is Brawlinator again. Uh, those uh, characters now find themselves in the shoes of classic fable characters. This August, as the publisher, Dynamite, is launching three special fairy tales one-shot comics featuring the three vixens. Uh, Red Sonia does a little Jack and the Beanstalk type thing. Uh, Deja Thoris does a bit of a Snow White thing. And, of course, Vampirella does a bit of a Little Red Riding Hood thing. These look fun. And you know what? They might be a very easy decision to pick up if you just want to grab a quick one and done with a familiar story and get to know these characters uh, that maybe you're not familiar with. Uh, Those are over in the Dynamite section on page 168 to 173. Hey, this is James back, and this time I'm in the back half of the previews catalog. And according to the order form, I think it's going to be on page 218 in the Ablaze section. They have Samari- the Sumerian hardcover uh, volume 4, the fourth hardcover in the Sumerian series, where it's the European translations of the um, Conan, the Barbarian comics, which are called the Sumerian, because Conan you can't use here, but you can use the stories with Conan in them. But it's saying, you know, Blaze adds to its best-selling line of uncensored Robert E. Howard Sumerian graphic novels. Discover the true Conan, unrestrained, violent, and sexual. Um, There's some stuff in there, but it's not over the top. Anyone who's read it, it's not like crazy, crazy, like like X-rated stuff. It's just... I guess you could say an R-rated comic. It's it, it's not that extreme, but it's uh, the Sumerian Volume Four includes two complete stories: Beyond the Black River and Hour of the Dragon. Hour of the Dragon, I really enjoyed, so I'm definitely gonna be picking this up. And just to let you know, you're like, oh, they're on the fourth volume. Yes, you can get caught up with the uh, Sumerian hardcovers because they've relisted the Sumerian hardcovers Volume One, Two, and Three. They're twenty-five bucks plus you get a discount. I would imagine it's like. 30 or 35% off from deep discount comics. So hit up Eric if you uh, are not already a customer of his and get a discount on this. Uh, great stuff. I'm definitely picking it up. On to my next pick. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the back half of previews is on page 222 from Abrams Comic Arts with the graphic novel Fantastic Four. Full Circle. The writer, cover, and story artist is Alex Ross. It's a rainy night in Manhattan, and not a creature is stirring except for Ben Grimm. When an intruder suddenly appears inside the Baxter building, the Fantastic Four, Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards, the Invisible Woman, Sue Storm Richards, the Human Torch, Johnny Storm, and the Thing, Ben Grimm, find themselves surrounded by a swarm of invading parasites. These carrion creatures, composed of negative energy, come to Earth using a human host as a delivery system. But for what purpose? And who is behind this untimely invasion? The Fantastic Four have no choice but to journey into the negative zone, an alien universe composed entirely of antimatter, risking not just their own lives, but the fate of the cosmos. Fantastic Four Full Circle is the first long-form work written and illustrated by acclaimed artist Alex Ross, who revisits a classic Stanley Jack Kirby story from the 1960s and introduces the storyline for a new generation of, of readers. 
With bold, vivid colors and his trademark visual storytelling, Ross takes Marvel's first team of superheroes to places only he can illustrate. Scheduled to be on shops on August 3rd for the cover price of $24.99. I usually don't get these big ticket items like graphic novels, but with it being the Fantastic Four and the writer and artist being Alex Ross, I couldn't resist. He's my favorite photorealistic comic book artist, and there's others who's are also photorealistic artists, but Alex Ross, I think, does the best at showing motion, whereas some others, it, they're more like showing a still photograph of the action. And since the discount is usually about 40% from discount comic book service, it'll help fit into my comic book budget. Brawlinator again. I'm in the back half of the previews catalog on page 222. And fans of Mad Magazine will want to take note um, from Aardvark Vanheim. It is CIH presents Kurtz versus Kurtz. Uh, riffing on Harvey Kurtzman, the man who basically created uh, Mad Magazine. Hopefully there are people in the audience that know who Harvey Kurtzman is. This uh, one shot is going to riff on Kurtzman, riff on Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now. This should be fun. It's even going to do a little riff on Steamboat Willie. Uh, it's a, basically a 24-page Steamboat Willie riff. Take a look at the solicit. It's going to be really hard to explain what this is all about, but it is a humorous one shot from Aardvark Vanheim. Harvey Kurtzman fans and Mad Magazine fans just Take note, take a look, page 222 in this month's previews. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the back half of previews is on page 226 from Abstract Studios. It's Parker Girls, number one. The writer, cover, and story artist is Terry Moore. When Annie Graham's lifeless body washes up Venice Beach, the nation mourns the loss of a popular actress. Police suspect her death was no accident, but Graham's husband, billionaire Zachary Lott, has the best lawyers money can buy, and the investigation stalls. That's when Tamby Baker decides to take matters into her own hands and enlist three of her finest Parker Girl operatives to bring the Lott empire down, one shocking scandal at a time. Scheduled be in shops on August 10th, for the cover price of $3.99. I'm really excited to learn what Terry Moore's next comic book miniseries is going to be. Now, there's nothing that says how long it's going to be, but of late, his miniseries have run 10 issues. The Parker Girls first appeared in Terry Moore's original comic book series, Strangers in Paradise. They were involved in the Parker Crime Organization. But when the Parker girls eventually got free from the leader of the organization, they have still stuck together. And the one thing you don't want to do is to get on the bad side of the Parker girls. I enjoy reading Terry Moore's comic books so much that being the kind of person that likes to save the best for last, I will put his comic book at the bottom of the pile so that I can enjoy what I know will be usually the best comic book of the month. 
Hey, it's Chris Brawley, the Brawlinator again. I'm on page 244 in the back half of previews in the American Mythology section looking at Stooge Wars number one. Uh, this is the Robonic Stooges, and this is basically a, a massive riff on Secret Wars. Uh, could this be the Robonic Stooges' last stand? The fate of the world hangs in the balance as the mysterious stranger known only as the Overyonder <laughs> has kidnapped the planet's greatest heroes and deadliest villains to battle for the ultimate prize. Can Moe, Larry, and Curly pull their ragtag team together? Or will the combined forces of Professor Cluck, Poodle Man, and Dr. Cracula and the rest of the Robo Stooges' legendary rogues gallery prove too much for the boys? Tune in and find out. It is the Robonic Stooges event of the year. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the Robonic Stooges, it was the second animated series starring the classic comedy trio, The Three Stooges. Uh, it aired on CBS uh, from 1977 and 1978. And so, of course, like I said, this comic is a riff on Secret Wars. If you're a fan of the Three Stooges, Saturday Morning Cartoons, or Secret Wars, then this uh, book is for you. S.A. Check, Gordon Gershowitz wrote it. Uh, interior art from Philip Murphy and Jorge Pacheco, and a main cover by Eric Shanauer, and whose art I love. He's great. This is again on page 244 in the American Mythology section. It is Stooge Wars number one. And speaking of funny books, I'm still in American Mythology on the next page, 245. I can't forget to mention that issue number two of Florida Man is also available from American Mythology this month. Issue number one did end on a cliffhanger, but this issue is more of a good luck story than last issue was. Once our quintessential Florida Man Gary gets out of jail, his luck begins to change, his lottery numbers come in, and he can finally give his gal Crystal that big wedding he promised her. So the happy couple buy a mansion, luxury SUV, state the art flamethrowers, and well, then it gets crazy. Uh, the honeymoon is interrupted by the popo causing Crystal to go berserk. Guys, this is definitely not for children, but it's more of a funny book for grown-ups. I suggest you check it out. It would help me out too. I'm the editor on the book. So the hilarious tales continue in the second stupefying issue written by Eisner winner Mike Barron. And uh, the main art here is by uh, Todd Mulrooney and Elias Martins. We got a great looking variant from the great Barry McLean Jr. And if you missed issue one, final order cutoff for issue one is June 20th, so you may still be in luck. And we've got a severely limited FOC cover available to retailers, so be sure to check that out this week. Tell your comic shop and get back to your comic shop and get in those uh, new comics, people. That's it for me. Thanks again to John and everybody else that helps make the Comic Book Page podcast and the Slack channel engagement possible. Uh, Thanks to James and Sam and Eric and everybody else that's involved. It's a great community and I just encourage everyone to join and put in a recording for next month. Thanks guys. Enjoy your summer. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog with a highlight for those of you with kids or uh, kids in your family and close circle of friends who you think maybe need a little extra help getting into reading. This is Banicula, the graphic novel First time that this uh, beloved children's series has been uh, converted over to a graphic novel. It uh, is written by Andrew Donkin and James Howe. James Howe and his late wife were the ones that actually wrote this. I was surprised to read, um, looking up about this particular series, that the original Benicula story was actually written in 1979. And um, I remember reading this with my mom. Uh, 
one of the, the neat things about her when we were growing up is she would read us stories at bedtime and uh and we loved this one and some of the, the follow on stories. You know, the tale about the bunny that gets brought into the house as a new pet and the the dog and the cat are just determined that the the bunny is uh somehow haunted or possessed or is a vampire and um it's it's a really great story and uh was one of those that got my interest peaked in uh kind of the fantasy side of storytelling as a kid and uh really got me hooked on reading. And it says here specifically about this celebrate over 40 years of the modern classic Banicula with this fantastic grand graphic novelization that will send a shiver down your spine and leave you howling with laughter. Harold the dog and Chester the cat must find out the truth about the newest pet in the Monroe household, a suspicious-looking bunny with unusual habits and fangs. Could this innocent-seeming rabbit actually be a vampire? Experience the chills and thrills of this classic tale in an all-new graphic novel format. The, uh, I don't know if I mentioned here, but the art is by Stephen Gilpin who has uh, done a series of graphic novels, apparently, in the past. And this is brought to us by Athenium Books for Young Readers, which is a children's line from Simon & Schuster, apparently. There is a softcover option available here, 128 pages, 6 by 9 inches, kind of that small young readers format, for $12.99. And the same size and same page length, but uh, a hardcover, for $19.99. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the back half of previews. And this time I'm over in the AWA section where there is Sacrament number one. And Sacrament number one is written by Peter Milligan and the artist by Marcelo Frusin. I guess that's how you name it. Frusin? I, I honestly don't know how you say it. Uh, it this is kind of weird. The cover art kind of caught my eyes. Like, that's cool. But it says, The Exorcist Meets Alien. <laughs> that's kind of a nice mishmash. In this sci-fi horror story, In the year 3000, mankind abandoned Earth and fled into outer space. Now a disgraced priest called into action to perform an exorcism on a remote space colony is about to discover that no matter how far you run, you can't escape your demons. And the devil is in fact real. Sounds like something I would enjoy. Sounds like something John would not enjoy. So if you like stuff like I do, you might want to pick it up. If you like stuff like John does, you probably don't want to pick this up. <laughs> that I, I like most of the stuff from AWA. I pick up almost all of it, and this one looks good. Even though I'm not a huge fan of Peter Milligan, this sounds right up my alley. So I'm checking this one out. And on to my next pick. Hey, this is James back with another pick. And this time I'm in the Fanagraphics section. And in Fanagraphics, they've had some, uh, what they call the complete Creepax. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Creepax is how it looks. C-R-E-P-A-X. I've seen the creator, the artist before. Um, and they're resoliciting a lot of the stuff that they've done in the past. But what's funny is, I don't want to say funny, but what's interesting is they're doing the complete Creepax um hardcover volume one or it's saying hardcover volume seven erotic stories part one so they're the last two parts the last two, volume seven and volume eight are going to be the erotic stories by creepax and believe it or not way back in the day i actually read some of those in single issue comics um i probably have them buried somewhere uh unless they're gone i've lost a lot of my collection from back in my youth um but it, it, it 
he's a terrific artist. He's great, whether you get the regular stuff or you get this erotic stuff. But um, it's saying it's the first two volumes of Fantagraphics Creepback series devoted to the artist comic adaptations of the erotic library canon. So you got Valentina takes on George's Bastille, the story of an eye. And we follow Arson's Emmanuel on her sensual journey. So you have, uh, it looks like the story of a story from 1981. It also has Emmanuel from 1978, Emmanuel the Anti-Virgin from 1990, and some other stuff in here. Um, you know, there's some stuff that was banned back in 1959 and stuff. But this is stuff that I would definitely, you just can't find this stuff anymore. You don't can't buy it anywhere. Um, so I'm thinking about picking up all the Creepax volumes because they're all being resolicited. But I, I don't know if I'm going to do that or not because they are pricey because this is stuff that's out of print. It's been out of print for a long time. And thank goodness that uh, Fantagraphics has a license to print this stuff. This uh, volume number seven, Erotic Stories number one, is going to be $85 as the MSRP. I do not know what the discount is at Deep Discount Comics, but this is one I'm definitely going to be picking up and I'll be contacting Eric. So on to my next pick. Billy Hogan again. My final pick in this month's previews is on page 329 with Usagi Ujimbo number 30. The writer, cover, and story artist is Stan Sakai. Merchant Awasi, his family, and all his employees are dead, and his shop has been ransacked. Chizu, former head of the Nekodinja, reveals to them the secret document they carry hidden in a nondescript jewelry box a document that Lord Hikiji, the Shadow Lord, once and has sent his Komori, Bat Ninja Squad, to retrieve, no matter the cost. It's scheduled to be in shops on August 17th for the cover price of three ninety nine. What I enjoy from Yusagi Ujimbo is Tansagai does an excellent job of plotting a story, developing his characters, and providing a lot of interesting plot twists as well as giving a look into the culture, history, and folklore of Japan. This series has been going on for decades from various publishers, and you can get all of the collected editions so that you can enjoy this excellent series that is a departure from your run-of-the-mill superhero comic book. Thanks again, John, for providing this forum so that we could all share our enthusiasm for the comic book medium. And I want to thank everyone for sharing their picks. And I look forward to listening to what everyone else is reading out of this month's previews. What's up, guys? X-Men Patrick here, and I am in the middle of the book, page 350, and I'm looking at Opus. It says Myth, Monsters, and Metal. Uh, I almost missed this. It happened to pop up at my local comic shop, thankfully. I don't know if I ordered it from Deep Discount, and if it did, it'll be in the mail soon. But Disturbed, Dark Messiah, number four out of five. Number one just came out recently. The writer is Tim Seeley, which we all know. Artist Axel Mendelin and the Escorza brothers. Not in the so distant future, firefighter Griffin DeSanto has found himself a man at a time, stumbling into a harsh world of poverty, automation, and subjugation. Though lost, Griffin is never alone. He's brought here for a reason, and the vengeful one is his guide. Griffin and his freedom fighters attempt to reveal the plan behind Keck's evil empire, and the all-out war erupts. So the vengeful one, I'm thinking, is the disturbed guy's dude, 
and I missed this action figure. I luckily got book one. I think I ordered from Deep Discount book two just in case I didn't get it from my local comic shop because I like to have, you know, two different places I can pull from, thankfully. And I love Disturbed as a band. So totally picking this up. I'm picking up Evanescence the other on the other side of the book there. She's got a book coming out also. I'm picking that one up too. So if you guys like it, let me know. Talk about it on the Slack. Hit me up. All right, on to the next pick. This is Nick with another pick from the main previews catalog, this time from the Opus Comics section. Uh, This is page 352. I've never heard of this publisher before, but flipping through the catalog, I noticed a little featured item callout for Evanescence, Echoes from the Void, number one. Uh, This is 32 pages for $4.99. But uh, if you're like me, you probably remember um, Evanescence charting or topping all of the charts back in the... uh, early mid 2000s and uh turns out they're now making comic books uh, it says the writer here is carrie lee south with art and cover by kelly mckernan and uh from what i can tell looking at some preview art or or just general art that uh, uh they've made it looks like um i think this comic should have some fitting art for a band like evanescence and it says here in the solicitation from grammy award-winning rock band evanescence Echoes from the Void features adaptations of the band's musical catalog in short stories created by an all-star cast of graphic artists, animators, illustrators, fine artists, screenwriters, novelists, and more. The first issue is inspired by the single Better Without You, which appears on their fifth album, The Bitter Truth, 2021. And I had no idea they were even still making music, but uh, I'm curious to see how far back into their catalog they'll go with this. If there's some of the songs that uh, we all recognize from back in the day. And uh, I don't know. Could be interesting. Check this one out. This is Nick with one final pick from the main previews catalog. This time page 380. It's the Tashin America section. Marvel Comics Library Volume Number 2. The Avengers Hardcover. And I'll spare reading the entire solicitation here because it's basically just explaining what the avengers are but the quick and dirty of it is this is one of tashin's xxl sized editions um they describe it as being bigger than the hulk's fist weightier than thor's hammer and with more extras than iron man's armor it collects issues 1 through 20 of the original avengers series so writer stan lee and artist jack kirby and uh Again, they also describe it here as the most pristine copies of these issues. Uh, they worked with Marvel and um, the Certified Guarantee Company, or CGC, to uh, identify these comics, and then also to uh, to scan them in with high-quality photographs and print them out on really great-quality paper, kind of reminiscent of a newspaper print, but maybe a little more archival than that. And basically what I would describe this as sort of like the omnibus on steroids for the super fan. Um, I, I have the Amazing Spider-Man one and just a really great collection. But at 11 by 15 inches, about an inch and a half thick, 630 pages, and a cost of $200, it's definitely not for everybody. Um, if, if this is something you're interested in, I highly encourage you to seek out some discounts with some of our discount retailers 
either before or after publication. It's definitely well worth it. You figure basically you're getting, with all of the bonuses that are included, you're basically getting each of these 10, each of these 20 comics at $10 a piece, which is really good considering how old they are and the, uh, the oversized format and, and great reproduction that's been done. And it also highlights here we've got some extras in there, including, um, forwards by, uh, Kevin Feige and, also, uh, kind of an introduction to the Avengers by Kurt Busick. So check this one out. Again, if you're a super fan, there are some uh, previews pages. You can kind of see how the book is put together, page layouts, the, uh, the color quality, and the style of reprinting that's been done. I know when I hear something like colors retouched and, and all of that, it kind of makes me a little nervous with this material. But you'll really be surprised at the, the work that they've done if you take a look at the previous pages on the Tashin.com website. Just Google T-A-S-C-H-E-N Marvel Comics Library and you'll, you'll find this. Hey, this is James back. This time I'm going to make this my last pick. Um, I'm over on page 394 in the back half. Of, or Actually, I'm sorry. It's 384. I'm, I'm reading this little print in the PDF, <laughs> uh, the catalog, because I don't have the catalog in front of me. Uh, but page 384 in the back half of the previous catalog, and I'm looking at Gun Honey Blood for Blood, number one. Uh, now, this the review that John and I did of Gun Honey, the, the first series, uh, probably, I don't think it's gone up yet. It probably will not have gone up yet by the time this preview spotlight comes out. Um, but John and I both really enjoyed it. We thought it was good. And there's a TV series that's being made uh, around this. And what's funny is I didn't even know um, that it was going to be a TV series. I was like, oh, I, that's kind of cool. But um, it's about a girl who's she uses her assets, she uses her skills, her knowledge to get guns into places or, and to transport weapons, get into places where they shouldn't be. She doesn't commit the crime, but she enables access to the armament to commit crimes so she's the person who you call hey i need a hit to go out on this guy who's in prison nobody can get to him he's in solitary um she finds a way to get a gun hidden in this part of the prison that this guy can get to who has access to a cell boom take him out um i'm not saying that happens in the in the comic but that's the type of stuff she does um so it's kind of cool. She's a gun runner, but a different type of gun runner. And it says, I'll read you what this solicit says here. It says 2021's best-selling non-premiere comic, and I didn't even know it was the best-selling non-premiere comic, but I did enjoy it, is back for a blockbuster new series. Um, it is written by Charlie Ardai and artist Ang Hor Kang. I'm butchering that. Okay, with weapons expert Joanna Tan, the legendary gun honey, off the grid, recuperating from her last job, a vengeful rival takes her place and frames Joanna for murder. On the run for uh, from Malaysia to Milan, cool in Malaysia, my wife's from there, so I'll know some places they go if they, they show it a lot. Uh, from Montana to Monaco, very cool. Can Joanna catch up to her ruthless enemy, or will she catch a bullet first? So it's saying the finest kind of pulp noir, Ed Brubaker said that. So I, I just think it was a cool series. I love the uh, the covers they do on this. By the way, the standard cover is by Art Germ Blau, Stanley Art Germ Blau. He's really good. Um, he knows how to draw ladies and the figure. So 
it's kind of cool. She's standing there with her, you know, in a bikini, gun arm and draped with a over her head with a gun, and honey's dripping all down her. <laughs> so I think that's awesome. I'm ready for the next Gun Honey series. So if you guys have not checked out, be looking forward to John and I um, doing a review on the first series. You can pick up a um, trade paperback of all that material. And then this is your jumping on point now for the second Gun Honey series. It is part of the Hard Case Crimes book. So if you like those pulp noir, hard case crimes type thing, pick this up. I think you'll enjoy it. John and I both liked it. And um, John, this is uh, my reminder to you. Definitely pick this one up this time around. I know you liked it the first time. So it, I wanted to thank John for all your editing work, putting this together, giving us a forum to send in our clips. Thank everyone for sending their clips because I'm going to be out of town, so I'm not going to be harassing you guys that much, but I'll try to remember to write something on the Slack. Where, uh, But hopefully you guys can send in all your clips. I, I, I like listening to your stuff before I put in my order. I usually end up adding one or two things based on you guys calling out stuff on the preview spotlight. So until next month, see you guys on the Slack, and you guys will hear me from me on the podcast. Take care. Bye. Axman Patrick here, and I'm in the back of the book for my last pick. We're in Titan Comics, which I normally don't order a ton from because they don't have a lot for me, but on page 384 is Gun Honey, Blood for Blood number one. Now, I know a few of you are calling it out, so I'm not going to read everything, but it was 2021's best-selling non-premier comic. That's at least what this tag says. And I'm going to have to pick Art Germ's cover because I can't do the provocative ones on the bottom, and Adam Hughes is a good artist, but I like... Art Germs covered the best, and the first one was awesome. The whole thing was great. Yeah, so definitely pick up Gun Honey. I don't know if they have the trade out yet, but if they don't, wait for the trade or pick them up if they're cheap, and then continue to read one through four with us. Gun Honey, Blood for Blood, 384. All right, thank you guys. Just want to let you know how easy it is to record on this thing. Downloaded a free app on my thing called Audacity onto my computer. And I record, and I can see my recording, and I can edit it when I stumble or mess up sometimes. I can delete it and redo it. I can add a little bit of music sometimes. I try not to do that because I don't know how John likes it. But send in clips of stuff you like. Send them weird stuff that like we don't get to choose or we don't pick because we don't know what's out there, and you guys do. All right, that's the end of my rant. Thank you, guys. I'm out. I hope everybody found something of interest in the pre-order catalogs this month. Ton of great stuff. I'll be honest, I have not done as deep of a dive through these catalogs as I had hoped to by this point, but I've still got time before I fill out my order and stuff. I want to thank James, Patrick, Billy, Jason, Brawlinator, Nicholas, and Mo for sending in clips. Great turnout this time. Definitely appreciate that. We have an open submission policy on these episodes. Normally, the deadline is the second Saturday of the month, regardless of when the catalogs ship. However, there's going to be an exception for this next time in July. The deadline is going to be Monday, 9 a.m., July 4th. Now, that's about a week earlier. It's a Monday. It's the end of a long weekend. It's a holiday weekend. I know that. It's either that or really not do the episode this time around. I've, I've got a lot of things going on, so this is how it's got to be. I will be sending out the email reminders early in accordance to the new deadline and such. If you want email reminders, you can always sign up for them on the front page of the comic book page website, which is where you'll also find the latest information on the deadline. If you've got any questions on the deadline, how to record clips, whatever, you can either post on Slack, post on the forum thread for the preview spotlight, or email me and ask. 
We love having as many voices as possible in these episodes, covering as many items as possible, just because there's a ton of stuff out there and we're trying to match the right people with the right books for them. So with that, let's call it an episode. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.